Welcome to In Your Best Interests. I Y B I with me, your host, Pastor Johnson Kamau. In the following podcast, I'm going to present a talk on what it means to be created in the image or likeness of God. I'll begin my talk with an Old Testament perspective on the topic which will be followed by a New Testament perspective on the same topic. I've divided my talk into two parts, namely Old Testament perspective and New Testament perspective. Each part has a summary in which I highlight the key points for the listeners. I will conclude my talk with a sum up of the core facts in the topic of what it means to be created in God's image and likeness. Welcome. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that while God created each animal according to its kind, only human beings we are created in God's image or likeness. Among all creatures, only human beings are the image of God, the highest and richest revelation of God, and therefore apex of the entire creation. It took the combined effort and wisdom of the Holy, Holy Trinity to create human beings. The priority of the main verb in Genesis 1.26, let us make human beings, indicates that the creation of human beings was in a class of, its, of by itself, since this type of expression is used of no other creature. The priority indicates that God does not exist in, as a solitary being, but as a being in a fellowship with others. God exists as a priority that is in the trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The uniqueness of, of the creation of human beings is highlighted further by the fact that their creation was preceded by a divine counsel or deliberation. Let us make human beings. Only in connection with the human beings is such a divine counsel mentioned. Human beings are a product of the mind of Holy Trinity. The significant words in our image after our likeness do not refer to different things in the Hebrew text, there is no essential difference between the two words, image, tisalem, and likeness, demut. After our likeness is only a different way of saying in our image. The Hebrew word for image, tisalem, is derived from a root that means to carve or to cut. When it is applied to the creation of mankind in Genesis 1, the word Selem indicates that 
human beings image God, that is, they are a representation of God. The Hebrew word for likeness, demote, comes from a root that means to be like. Therefore, the word demote in Genesis 1 indicates that the image that human beings bear is also a likeness of the triune God. The two words together tell us that human beings are a representation of God, which is like God in certain respects. There are certain resemblances to God in human beings implied in the account of creation in Genesis 1. For example, in Genesis 1.26, God commanded human beings to exercise dominion over the animals and over the, over the earth. In doing so, human beings are like God, since God has supreme and ultimate dominion over the earth. In Genesis 1.27, we read that God created human beings, both male and female. Since God is spirit, the resemblance of God in this instance is not in the physical difference between male and female genders, but rather in the fact that man needs the companionship of woman, that the human person is a social being, that woman complements man, and that man complements woman. In this way, human beings reflect God who exists as a being in fellowship that is between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1.26, God blessed human beings and gave them a mandate, that is, responsibility, to make decisions and to rule the rest of his creation. In this instance, human beings resemble God in that they are responsible beings who can be addressed by God and who are ultimately responsible to Him as their Creator and God. Additionally, in Genesis 1.28, God commanded human beings, Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and to have dominion over other creatures and over the earth itself. The injunction implies the institution of marriage, the establishment of which is narrated in Genesis 2, 18 through 24. In blessing human beings, God promised to enable them to propagate and bring forth children who will fill the earth. He also promised to enable them to subdue the earth and to have dominion over the animals and over the earth itself. God's command to human beings is to be fruitful and to, be, to have dominion over other creatures and over the earth itself. That, that command is commonly called the cultural mandate. The injunction does not only contain a blessing for mankind to reproduce and multiply, 
but also a commandment to rule the earth for God and to develop a culture that will glorify him as the creator. Originally, human beings were very good creatures. They had integrity, innocence, and holiness, and they were not corrupt, depraved, or sinful. In other words, at the time of their creation by God in his image, human beings were holy and perfect. They were not evil or perverted. However, after the fall of human beings into sin in Genesis 3, the divine image in them became tarnished and hence they became evil and perverted. But they did not lose the image of God nor cease to be called God's image bearers. This argument is accredited by the statement in Genesis 5.1, which occur after the narrative of the fall in Genesis chapter 3, but still speaks of Adam as someone who was made in the likeness of God. This implies that by this time the divine image had not completely disappeared, but had rather been corrupted or depraved by human beings fall into sin. It would therefore be biblical right to state that human beings had not completely lost the image of God after the fall into sin in Genesis 3. After the fall, Adam and Eve continued to bear the image of God, though in an imperfect way and to reproduce children in their likeness or image. Their children were not made in the image of God, but rather procreated in the appearance image. If Adam and Eve were still the image bearers of God, their children were also image bearers of God. Further, Adam and Eve transmitted sinful nature to their children because their originally sinless nature had been corrupted and polluted by the fall. In Genesis 9:6, God specifically states that whoever sheds human beings' blood shall be put to death, for human being is made in the image of God. Soon after the flood, God instituted ordinances to safeguard the earth and its inhabitants. In his laws, God stated that he will require, among others, the lifeblood of every animal that kills a human being and of every human being who kills a human being. God declared that those who committed murder must be punished by death because the human being who has been murdered is someone who imaged God, reflected God, was like God, and represented God. Therefore, when one kills a human being, not only does he or she take that person's life, but he or she has God himself 
who was reflected in that person. To touch the image of God is to touch God himself. And to kill the image of God is to do violence to God himself. God forbade murder because human beings still bear his image despite their fall into sin and corruption of their nature. In fact, human beings not only have the image of God, but they are human beings because they bear the image of God. Psalm 8 echoes Genesis 1, 27 through 28 by portraying human beings in a way that reaffirms their creation in God's image. According to the psalm, even though human beings are small and insignificant, compared to the marvels of the starry heavens, all the same, God has assigned to them an exalted position on the earth, as he has given them dominion over the rest of the creation. This is even more to be wondered at than the heavens themselves. The following points from our excursion in the Old Testament on the idea of human beings being created by God in his image or likeness are worth, worth remembering and pondering upon. Number one, the creation of human beings by God in his image is the centerpiece of the biblical concept of mankind. Among all creatures, only human beings are the image of God, which is the highest and richest liberation of God. Therefore, the climax of the entire creation. Number two, the creation of human beings was unique because it was preceded by a divine counsel and required the combined effort and wisdom of the Holy Trinity to happen. Three, God created human beings in his image or likeness to be his representatives, to be like him in his triune nature. Therefore, human beings are a representation of God, which is like him in certain respects. Four, God created human beings like himself so that they can have dominion over the animals and over all the earth, as he has supreme and ultimate dominion over the earth. Five, God created human beings like himself to reflect him in their quest for companionship, social interaction, and complementation as he exists as a being in fellowship that is between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Six, God created human beings like himself to be responsible beings whom he can address and hold accountable as their creator and God. Seven, God created human beings in, like himself to procreate 
through the earth and develop culture that glorify him as the creator. Eight, God created human beings who were very good as they were holy and perfect. Nine, when the first human beings, Adam and Eve, fell into sin, they did not lose the image of God and could therefore still be called God's image bearers, though in an imperfect and perverted manner. Number 10. Adam and Eve's offsprings were image bearers of God as much as their parents were. Additionally, their offsprings shared in their sinful nature as well because their parents' originally sinless nature had been corrupted and polluted by their fall into sin. Number 11. God pronounces death sentence on whoever kills his or her fellow human being because he highly values human beings whom he made in his own image to reflect and represent him here on earth. Number 12. Human beings not only have the image of God, but they are human beings because they bear the image of God. Last but not least, number 13. Even though human beings are small and insignificant compared to the marvels of the starry heavens, nevertheless, God has given them dominion over the rest of the creation here on earth. It was great having you in the podcast. Thank you so much for your presence and time. Keep on tuning into In Your Best Interests, IYBI channel. For the best is yet to come. Keep safe and take care. Dear listener, to In Your Best Interests, IYBI, with me, your host, Pastor Johnson Kamau. In the following podcast, I'm going to present the New Testament perspective on the idea of being created in God's image or likeness. This perspective affirms and fulfills the Old Testament perspective on the creation of human beings by God in His image or likeness. Please welcome. <clears throat> in the New Testament, the idea of being created in the image or likeness of God implies putting on a new self by believers in Christ. In the New Testament, the idea of being created in the image of God involved the process of redemption 
the purpose of which is to restore the image of God in human beings. The new self that believers must put on has been created by God who originally created human beings in his likeness. The new self that believers embody has been made by God in true righteousness and holiness. As God created human beings in his image originally, so the new self that he has created for believers is like him. Believers are not yet perfect and therefore must be progressively renewed through the process of redemption which consists of a growing and ever-increasing likeness to God. The goal of redemption or renewal in Christ is to make believers more and more like God or more and more like Christ who is the perfect image of God. The restoration of the image of God in believers implies distortion of God's image in fallen human beings. The image of God is the pattern according to which believers are being renewed by the Holy Spirit and the eschatological goal toward which we are moving. Human beings no longer image God as they should. Believers are now being enabled by the Spirit to image God more and more adequately. A time is coming when they shall image God perfectly. Believers' renewal into the greater likeness of God is something that involves the Holy Spirit in the process of redemption as well as their own responsibility. In other words, whereas the renewal process is primarily the work of God, as He is the one who sanctifies believers through His Spirit, it is also their own effort. Believers must refrain from cursing their fellow human beings because they are creatures whom God has made in His likeness. It is sinful to curse other human beings because even though the fall significantly damaged the image of God in humankind, it did not totally obliterate it. As such, fallen human beings are still beings who bear and reflect the likeness of God. They are beings who are still in distinction from all other creatures, image bearers of God. Believers need to always remember that to curse their fellow human beings is a grievous sin because it is tantamount to cursing God in whose likeness they are made. Believers should not use their mouths to praise God at one time and to curse their fellow human beings at another. That is being inconsistent in their witness for Christ and is therefore sinful. Believers must refrain from engaging in the sins of the tongue. Instead, they must endeavor to tame the tongue as it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The center of the image of God is love for God and love for human beings, which was central in the life of Christ. Even though other 
virtues such as ability to reason or make decisions graced the life of Christ. Love was revealed in his life in a way that has never been surpassed. No human being ever loved as Christ did. As fallen beings, believers need to be continuously conformed into the image of Christ, who is the perfect representation of God. The goal of the process of redemption is to fully conform believers to the image of Christ. This goal is what God has predestined those who believe in him, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit which progresses throughout life. As the perfect image of God, Christ is the perfect human being, the ultimate example of what God wants us to be like. The glory of Christ is the light of the gospel. When we see Christ, we see the glory of the invisible God, which is revealed in the face of Christ. Therefore, by looking at Christ, we are looking at God himself. Jesus himself affirmed the same point when he told his disciples that anyone who has seen him has seen the Father. If we look carefully at Jesus, we will have seen the Father since he is the Father's perfect image. Jesus Christ is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The glory that Christ the Son radiates is not his own, but is the glory of God the Father. Christ is a perfect reproduction of the Father because every trait, characteristic, and quality found in the Father is also found in him as he is an exact representation of his Father. The fact that Christ is the perfect image of God reveals an important relationship between the image of God and the Incarnation. Christ, the second person of the Trinity, incarnated, that is, assumed the nature of a human being, presumably because human beings had been created in the image of God. Christ, it would seem, could not have assumed a nature that had no resemblance whatsoever to God. Thus, the doctrine of incarnation in the New Testament confirms the doctrine of the image of God in the Old Testament. In Christ we see the image of God in its perfection since he was totally sinless. God the Father has given us in his beloved Son Jesus Christ a visual example of what is like. Jesus Christ is therefore the best representation of the image of God. What we see and hear in him is what God intends for us. That's why we need to intently read and study the Gospels because they reveal the person and mind of Christ who is the perfect image of God the Father.
There is need to restore the image of God in human beings. In other words, the moral and spiritual faculties of human beings must be conformed in a continuous process to the image of God. The image of God in which human beings we are created by God needs to be renewed or conformed in a process that continues throughout life because it was corrupted by the fall. Conformity to the image of God and therefore to the image of the Son is the purpose or goal for which God has predestined his chosen people. That purpose will be fully realized in the life to come which believers shall be perfect like Christ. Believers need to continually to grow in being conformed to the image of God by putting off the old nature and putting on the new nature. Old nature or old self signifies believers' former nature that was enslaved to sin. However, since they have become one with Christ, they are no longer slaves to sin, for they have taken off the old self that was enslaved to sin and have put on the new self or the new being that is ruled by the Holy Spirit. Believers have decisively and irrevocably put off their old self and put on the new self. However, the new self that believers have put on is not yet perfect or sinless, since it must still be progressively renewed by the Holy Spirit in knowledge in the image of the Creator. That knowledge is rich and involves both the mind and the heart. Its object is the will of God, the continual understanding of which will make believers trust God more and serve Him better. As redeemed beings, believers have once and for all taken off or put off their old self and have once for all put on their new self that's being continually and progressively renewed. Believers should not look upon themselves as slaves of sin but as new persons in Christ. They should see themselves as people who are genuinely new, though not yet totally new. The attitude of the minds of believers must be continually and progressively renewed by the Holy Spirit to conform fully with the mind of Christ. Believers are new persons because they have made a once-for-all change of direction which must be accompanied by daily progressive renewal in order for them to grow to spiritual maturity. Whereas the new self is characterized by true righteousness and holiness, the old self is characterized by deceitful desires. The righteousness and holiness believers pursue as new beings will never deceive them, but sinful desires deceive unbelievers by never providing them the good things they seek to promise. 
the new self is being progressively renewed in knowledge of God in whose image it is created. This fact implies that human beings through their fall into sin have so corrupted the original image that they must be restored in the process of redemption. The goal of redemption is to restore the image of God in human beings as well as to raise them to a higher level than they were they were before the fall, in which sin or unbelief will be imposed. Believers must aspire to have the mind of Christ, which entails willingness to humble oneself, even if necessary, to the point of death. Although believers cannot be like Christ in every respect, they can be like Him in His willingness to be humiliated for the sake of them. Christians must be ready and willing to imitate Christ, who is the perfect image of God. As God's beloved children, believers must imitate Him, that is, continue to be like Him by forgiving one another, as He in Christ has forgiven them, and by loving one another as Christ loved them. They must continue to be engaged actively in imaging God by showing others love through forgiveness. It is the responsibility of believers to imitate Christ by the grace of God. Christ himself called for such imitation of himself after he had washed the feet of his disciples. He told them that if he, their Lord and teacher, had washed their feet, they also ought to wash one another's feet. For he had given them an example that they also should, be, should do as he had done to them. When Jesus said these words to his disciples, he was directing them, and thus all believers, to follow his example of lowly service. Therefore, all believers must imitate him in this respect, and to imitate him is to imitate God. The very fact that Christians are frequently called to imitate Christ indicates that there is a sense in which the image of God has been spoiled by sin. Believers will image God totally and flawlessly in knowledge and in other aspects of their lives once God has completed the process of redeeming them from their fallen state. This will be the final goal of their sanctification, that is, to be totally like God by perfectly imaging Him. In other words, believers shall become completely like Christ, who is the perfect image of God. As they have borne the image of the earthly man, they shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Presently, believers are bearing the image of Adam, the earthly man. 
but in the life to come they shall fully bear the image of Christ, the man from heaven. Their future existence will be glorious because they shall then be perfectly like Christ. Today, believers are continually reflecting the glory of Christ with unveiled faces. As they are doing so, they are being transformed into the image of Christ from one glory to another. This transformation of the believers into the image of Christ is being done by God through His Spirit. Even though it is not certain what believers shall be like in the future, what is certain is that at the time of Christ's return, those who are in Him will share His glory. The blessing promised to believers that Christ's return is perfect and total likeness to Him, without which we shall not be able to see Him in His dazzling glory face to face. Likeness to Christ will also mean likeness to God, since He is God's perfect image. In the life to come, believers shall be perfectly like God, because the image of God, which is now being progressively restored in them, will be totally and finally restored. The following points from our excursion in the New Testament on the idea of being created by God in His image or likeness are worth remembering and pondering upon. 1. In the New Testament, the idea of being created in the image or likeness of God entails a transformative process initiated by Christ through the Holy Spirit in which those who believe in Him are clothed with a new self that is created by Him. In the New Testament, the idea of being created in the image of God involves the process of redemption, the purpose of which is to fully conform believers to the image of God which is in Christ, as well as raise them to a higher level than they were before the fall, in which sin or unbelief would be impossible. Three. Believers' renewal or transformation into the greater likeness of God and of Jesus Christ is something that involves the Holy Spirit as well as believers' responsibility. 4. Believers must refrain from casting their fellow human beings because they are creatures whom God has made in His likeness. To curse others is a grievous sin because it is tantamount to casting God in whose likeness they are made. 5. Even though the fall of human beings into sin corrupted their originally sinless nature, though they simply not totally obliterate it, they did not corrupt that image. Totally. 
Number six, Jesus Christ is a perfect human being, the unsurpassed example of what God wants us to be like. Christ makes the invisible God visible to us. He reveals the Father to us because He is the Father's perfect image. Seven, the center of the image of God is love for God before human beings, which was central in the life of Christ. No human being ever loved as Christ did. Eight, Christ, the second person of the Trinity, incarnated, that is, assumed the nature of a human being, presumably because human beings had been created in the image of God. Thus, the doctrine of incarnation in the New Testament confirms the doctrine of the image of God in the Old Testament. Number nine, the moral and spiritual faculties of human beings must be conformed in a continuous process to the image of God. Conformity to the image of God and therefore to the image of Christ is the purpose or goal for which God has predestined his chosen people. Number 10. Believers must reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in their day-to-day -day life. As they do so, they are being transformed by the Holy Spirit into Christ's image from one degree of glory to another. 11. Believers need continually to grow in being conformed to the image of God by putting off the old nature dominated by flesh and sin and putting on the new nature ruled by the Holy Spirit. They should look upon themselves as people who are genuinely new, though not yet totally new, perfect or sinless. Number 12. The new self that believers have put on is being renewed by the Holy Spirit in knowledge of God in whose image it is created. The image of God is a pattern according to which believers are being renewed by the Holy Spirit and the eschatological goal toward which they are moving. Number 13. Whereas the new self is characterized by true righteousness and holiness, the old self is characterized by sinfulness and deceitful desires. Number 14. As God's beloved children, believers must imitate Him, that is, continue to be like Him by forgiving one another as He in Christ has forgiven them and by loving one another as Christ loved them. Number 15. All believers must aspire to have the mind of Christ, which entails willingness to humble oneself, even if necessary to the point of death. They must gracefully imitate Christ's example 
of glory service and to imitate Christ is to imitate God. Finally, number 16. The final goal of believers renewal process, that is sanctification, is that they shall be totally like Christ, like God. They shall perfectly image Him. In conclusion, God created us, human beings, in His image or likeness be his representatives and to be like him in his divine nature. Therefore, we are a representation of God, which is like him in certain respects. God created us like himself so that we can have dominion over the animals and over all the earth. We can reflect him in our quest for companionship, social interaction, and complementation. We can be responsible beings whom he can address and hold accountable as our creator and God. We can procreate through the earth and develop culture that glorify him as a creator. And finally, God created us in his image or likeness so that we can be good, that is, we can be holy and perfect. The idea of being created in the image of God involves the process of redemption, the purpose of which is to make believers like God or like Christ, who is the perfect image of God. The act of Viewing believers into the greater likeness of God is something that involves the Holy Spirit as well as believers themselves. The goal of redemption is not only to conform believers to the image of Christ, but to also raise them to a higher level than they were before, the fall in which sin or unbelief will be impossible. Jesus Christ is the perfect human being, the unsurpassed example of what God wants us to be like. When we look at Christ, we see the invisible God who become, becomes so visible in Christ. Jesus reveals the Father to the believers because he is the Father's perfect image. The center of the image of God is love for God and love for human beings, which was central in the life of Christ. No human being ever loved as Christ. Believers need continually to grow in being conformed to the image of God and of Christ by putting off the old nature dominated by flesh and sin and putting on the new nature ruled by the Holy Spirit. They should look upon themselves 
as people who are genuinely new, though not yet totally new. The new self that they have put on is being renewed by the Holy Spirit in knowledge of God in whose image it is created. Whereas the new self is characterized by true righteousness and holiness, the old self is characterized by deceitful desires. The image of God is the pattern according to which believers are being renewed by the Holy Spirit and the eschatological goal toward which they are moving. The final goal of renewal or sanctification. Welcome, dear listener, to In Your Best Interests, IYBI, with me, your host, Pastor Johnson Kamau. Uh, the following is a sum up on my talk on the biblical concept of the creation of human beings by God in His image or likeness. Human beings were created by God in His image or likeness so that they can be His representatives and so that they can be like Him in His triune nature. Therefore, we are a representation of God which is like Him in certain respects. God created us like Himself so that we can have dominion over the animals and over all the earth. We can reflect Him in our quest for companionship, social interaction, and complementation. We can be responsible beings whom He can address and hold accountable as our Creator and God. We can procreate through the earth and develop culture that glorify Him as the Creator. And finally, God created us in His image or likeness so that we can be good, that is, so that we can be holy and perfect. The idea of being created in the image of God involves the process of redemption, the purpose of which is to make believers like God or like Christ, who is the perfect image of God. The act of renewing believers into the greater likeness of God is something that involves the Holy Spirit as well as believers themselves. The goal of redemption is not only to conform believers to the image of Christ, but to also raise them to a higher level than they were before the fall, in which sin or unbelief will be impossible. Jesus Christ is the perfect human being, the unsurpassed example of what God wants us to be like 
when we look at Christ, we see the invisible God who becomes so visible in Christ. Jesus reveals the Father to the believers because he is the Father's perfect image. The center of the image of God is love for God and love for human beings, which was central in the life of Christ. No human being ever loved as Christ did. Believers need continually to grow in being conformed to the image of God and of Christ by putting off the old nature dominated by flesh and sin and putting on the new nature ruled by the Holy Spirit. They should look upon themselves as people who are genuinely new, though not yet totally new. The new self that they have put on is being renewed by the Holy Spirit in knowledge of God in whose image it is created. Whereas the new self is characterized by true righteousness and holiness, the old self is characterized by deceitful desires. The image of God is the pattern according to which believers are being renewed by the Holy Spirit and the eschatological goal toward which they are moving. The final goal of renewal or sanctification process of believers is that they shall be totally like God, that is, they shall perfectly image Him. Even though it is not yet certain in the Bible what believers shall be like in the future, it is certain that at the time of Christ, Christ's return, those who are in Him will share His glory. That is, they will be instantly transformed into perfect and total likeness to Him, so that they will see Him in His dazzling glory face to face. That is the end of my talk or the meaning of being created in God's image or likeness. It is great it was great having you in the podcast. Please keep on tuning in. I value your attendance and feel encouraged by your interest to listen to my presentations. Thank you so much. Keep safe and take care. Thank you.